Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today, we're joined by Andrew Sadie Kennedy, a former research intern for me with the CSIS Americas program. Andrew is also currently earning a master's in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government with a concentration in international and global affairs. Recently wrote a policy analysis exercise known as a PAE, which is a long-term consultancy exercise for a client. And his client was the Bureau of Energy Resources at the U.S. Department of State on the topic of ally shoring the lithium supply chain in the Americas. My sense is that if we're going to have a carbon transition, decarbonization doesn't mean dematerialization. So if you're not talking about how much one loves mining in the context of climate change, it's like it's not a thing. Mining is going to be a critical and central part of any carbon transition if a carbon transition is to happen. And there's also a series of funny named minerals, some normal minerals, things like copper that normal people have heard of. And then it starts getting into minerals that are less known like cobalt or lithium. If you wanna have electric vehicles or iPhones or anything else. So this issue is really, really important. So I'm really happy to have Andrew here today and I'm sorry for the barking dogs in the background. So Andrew, I'm gonna turn the floor over to you, buddy. Thanks, Dan, for having me, and I'm happy to, to share kind of how I got interested in this topic and kind of the importance of lithium and other critical minerals for the clean energy transition and cooperation between countries. Tell me about how you came about, what was your motivation to explore this topic, and how'd you, how'd you find this topic? Yeah, so I, I've been looking into lithium and critical minerals in Latin America over the last year and a half about, and last year with the Americas program, I had the opportunity to do some research on lithium in across Latin America uh, in countries like Argentina, Chile, and Bolivia. So I wrote a commentary for a program on lithium. After that, I kind of wanted to expand my research, started getting in touch with experts at think tanks, lithium producers in Argentina, in Chile, in different countries, and kind of started to get an interest for lithium. And I kind of see lithium and other critical minerals as a point for cooperation between the United States and and countries across Latin America. So I think it's super important. And I come to this field not as a technical expert in lithium per se, but as someone who wants to strengthen that relationship between the United States and countries in the region. So what is lithium? Why is lithium important in the global energy sector? So lithium is, is very important for a lot of the things that the world is going to need for the clean energy transition. Anything moving from solar panels to electrical vehicles to battery storage for solar and wind technologies that intermittent, lithium is one of the key critical minerals used in, in all of those products. And I've had a lot of people, including the Chilean Minister of Energy, say that without critical minerals, there is no clean energy transition. So things like lithium are extremely important for the evolution of the entire world's transition, but the United States as well is making net zero goals by 2035 and 2050. And so achieving those without critical minerals like lithium is going to be a very tough sell. The importance of these minerals is crucial. And right now, supply and demand are at a total mismatch. 
lithium demand currently today is around 430 metric tons of lithium carbonate, which is the standard kind of measurement on the market. And experts say that by 2030, this is going to jump by nearly 10 times. We're going to see that demand jump a lot and the current supply is not going to meet the demand. So to get to our clean energy transition goals, we're going to need to mine, as you said in the, in the beginning of this podcast, we're going to need to mine a lot more of lithium and other critical minerals. And it's going to be a difficult process given the long time horizon that it takes to kind of get these mining production centers up to speed. Uh, and so getting those investments in as soon as possible is crucial for the clean energy transition. What happens if we don't get these investments? What are the consequences of this? Without further investment today, there's going to be a shortage of, of lithium on the market. What happens is that countries like the United States that are making these ambitious net zero pledges will simply not reach those pledges. There's not enough lithium to go around as it stands. When one of these investments into a mine kind of goes into fruition, it takes about 10 years from discovery of lithium to production of lithium. And so the current amount of mining production across the world, including Latin America, Australia, and China, is just far too limited for what the world wants to achieve in terms of moving into electrical vehicles, solar panels, and energy storage. And so there's going to be a delay in the clean energy transition as, as a result of a lack of investment. Uh, we've seen a lot of Chinese firms invest across many of the uh, across the world in rare earth minerals, lithium, and other critical minerals. But the United States is is far behind in that investment, and it's it's in an area where the U.S. can partner with other countries to further the the increase in lithium that is needed for the transition. So, if I find the lithium in the ground, how do I develop it? Do you have to process lithium? Lithium is not a rare earth mineral. There's there's a whole wide variety of minerals. Lithium is just one of the many minerals needed for the transition. For electrical vehicles, for example, we need lithium, we need cobalt, uh, we need nickel, copper, uh, magnesium. And then aside from that, there's also rare earth minerals, which have gained a lot of popularity, I would say, in the last couple of years, because they're extremely crucial for defense applications and, and other applications that for iPhones and things of that nature. But the, the mineral that's going to be seeing the most increase in demand is lithium. And what mining looks like for this is in most of the countries that have the lithium, Bolivia, for example, it is very difficult to get the lithium out of the ground. The government has run into many issues trying to commercialize the lithium industry. But in other countries like Chile and Argentina, for example, there's been a large over the last two decades kind of exploration of the geological mapping of these countries to find where these kind of deposits are. And the process differs by country. So in the lithium triangle in Latin America, you find lithium brine, which lithium brine is essentially a, a kind of a salt in the earth that under the right conditions, the Argentines and the Chileans and, and the Bolivians will create uh, evaporation pools to extract this lithium from the ground. And once they do that extraction, uh, they then need to process that, uh, process and refine the lithium into compounds that are uh, easily usable in electrical vehicles. And right now, as the, the supply chain stands, Chile and Argentina produce a lot of lithium, extracting it from the ground. But in those processing stages to make it a product that is of use for um, downstream components like electrical vehicles, uh, that processing ends up being done in countries like China. China has a 60% uh, foothold on that part of the, the lithium market. And what that means is that they control a large portion of both the midstream supply of lithium, but also how that gets distributed into 
electrical vehicle companies and energy storage companies. And so there's a big geopolitical risk here if countries do not invest in lithium and in, in a greater capacity uh, to process and make that industry in Latin America or in the United States. Uh, there's a risk that a country like China could use this leverage on the market at some point. Tell me about lithium processing and why is there any lithium processing activities in the Western Hemisphere as of now? And if not, why not? And how can we encourage more lithium processing? Or is that hard to do for a variety of reasons? Currently, as it stands in terms of processing, uh, China has about 60%, as I said. Then Chile has about 20% of the world's processing cap- capacity. Uh, and Argentina is just kind of entering that market. Processing is difficult because the arguments that I've heard is that in order to process the materials, countries need the incentive of having an electrical vehicle market in the location. So a country like Argentina, most private sector companies haven't made that jump to process lithium because they find it more economically competitive to sell that lithium to a Chinese company. They ship it across to, to East Asia, and that is where the processing will get done. To change that scheme, you need first need a lot of technological know-how, a lot of upfront investment. And so Chile has, has done this successfully. And there are two companies, SQM and the US company Albemarle, have really invested in processing, both in Chile, on the outskirts of Santiago, and in uh, Albemarle's uh, main facilities in North Carolina. Um, they've started to kind of upscale these processing uh, facilities and refining uh, lithium carbonate into compounds that are uh, used in electrical vehicles. And so there needs to be more investment and more in, in these processing capacities. And the way that the US and other countries can kind of think of this is making that investment in somewhere in the United States. The government needs to kind of incentivize the private sector to do this, whether that might be in the form of tax credits or grants to institute uh, processing facilities in the United States or abroad should be done. Is this a dirty process? Is this the sort of thing that generates a lot of regulatory pushback? I think with with the mining industry, historically, there's been a lot of regulatory pushback. And and where that mainly falls is in the upstream extraction processing. The midstream processing is not necessarily the dirtiest part of, of the industry. In the upstream extraction, for example, in Argentina and Chile and Bolivia, you'll see these evaporation ponds, which take up a lot of water usage. All the local indigenous communities around the area will be will suffer the effects of not having clean water for crops and, and agriculture. So that's kind of what the environmental aspect to all of this. And, and if you go down to the local regions, you'll see that uh, there's a lot of indigenous communities that are very against increasing lithium production. And companies are actively trying to work with the indigenous communities to provide them some of the royalties Uh, use less water, and make these kind of environmental components more sustainable in the future. And so there's a lot of investment into making sure we work with indigenous communities and making sure these processes can be more environmentally friendly. One of these processes is called direct lithium extraction, where essentially eliminate the necessity for water in the process. And that would be a huge benefit for these local communities and would also decrease the extraction time. So lithium could be coming out of the ground at a much quicker pace companies would benefit from that. The environmental uh, aspect would also benefit. So is there lithium in the U.S. and in Canada? Are there lithium mines? How hard is it to produce lithium in you in the U.S. or Canada or Mexico for that matter? The United States does have lithium. It is the fifth largest lithium producer in the world as it stands. Mexico also has uh, just recently done an entire geological mapping of the country 
And recently, actually, uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, I think, President Lopez Obrador actually nationalized the industry, which had been something that they had been communicating from the government level for a while now. And many investors are, of course, hesitant to invest in Mexico because of this and probably will not have the ability to do so because of this nationalization, um, which may essentially cut the industry out by the legs before it even gets started. And then in terms of Canada, Canada does not have a lot of lithium production in-house, but there are a lot of Canadian countries that have done the investment abroad and more, more so than the United States. And so Canada is one of the big players investing in mines in Latin America. The way that the United States has been looking at it is that President Biden, through the bipartisan infrastructure law, actually instituted a couple of new laws that will give out grants and funding for processing and extraction in the United States. And so this is going to be a big push for providing the incentives to companies in the United States to increase production. In Mexico, we have to see what's going to happen with the nationalization of the industry, but there is room for cooperation between the United States and Mexico to map out the lithium deposits because a lot of these lithium deposits are very different. And so in South America, you have lithium brine, which is extracted in one way, but in the United States, the majority of the deposits are hard rock and clay deposits, which are totally different processes. And so Mexico also has some of these deposits and there's room for cooperation on geologically mapping this and identifying the, the grade of the lithium and the risk that each of these mines poses. And so there's definitely going to be a lot of increase in lithium production in the United States, hopefully in Mexico. Really, we have to see where, where those kind of processes go. And as to the extent with Mexico, it's, it's a matter of understanding where the industry is going and then finding policies that can work with the Mexican government to increase production in the industry. Andrew, is there processing in the United States or in Canada, or is there just mining? Uh, Albemarle ha uh, has a facility for processing in North Carolina. I think it's the only processing facility currently for lithium in, in the country. And that's why I think this bipartisan infrastructure law and the Defense Production Act that have recently gone into effect to try to incentivize more processing will hopefully help uh, increase that because it's really necessary. In order to process, you first need the extraction. What the U.S. really needs to do and Canada needs to do is to continue invest lithium production sites abroad, but also do so in-house despite some of the regulatory barriers, um, because you need that lithium first out of the ground to be able to process. And right now, the majority of that investment comes from China. China then secures that portion of the market and brings it back across to East Asia. And so really, there needs to be a focus both on processing but also extraction, because without the extraction, the U.S. will kind of lose out on these opportunities to increase processing. What I'm worried about is that mining is considered a dirty, complicated business with a lot of local community problems, environmental problems. At the same time, we've made lots of commitments on a potential carbon transition. And so I worry that we're going to trade our dependence on Iran or Venezuela and oil for de facto dependence on China. How are we going to avoid that? There's a couple of ways that you can look at this. And I am more optimistic in my approach. I think there's a way to change the supply chain in the midterm. In the short term, unfortunately, because the lithium industry and, and other critical minerals are, it's an industry that takes a lot of time to develop. China will still have a larger share of the supply chain. But we've already seen commitments from China to where they invest in some of these countries to work with American vehicle companies to secure, uh, to secure lithium. 
So that is is one way is to work with uh, Chinese companies and to work with other companies that are already doing production and having some of the automotive manufacturers go directly to the source to get lithium. In the report, I recommend a series of both financial and diplomatic policies. And some of these are to expand the eligibility of federal grants, creating sort an investment platform that the government can help out private sector investment in these countries using more of an embassy approach to helping private sector companies be more active in these industries in these countries. And then there's one other finance policy that could help. The Chinese government has been instituting uh, the use of its Export-Import Bank and things like the Development Finance Corporation in the United States. And so I see a clear opportunity here for the United States to use Build Back Better World and increase energy and infrastructure platforms across the mineral sector and so I think there's financing opportunities for the United States to invest abroad, but currently those investments are stuck to domestic projects. And so one of my recommendations in the report that I think would be good for the State Department and good for the Treasury Department, other departments that are, are looking at this is to expand the, the federal grant program that was just instituted, because right now it just looks at domestic projects. The U.S. only has so much lithium, and so to secure more of that lithium we need to provide some of these grants in countries in Latin America, but also work with countries in Latin America to create standards. And so the Department of State, it currently has an initiative called uh, the Energy Resources Governance Initiative. And through that, they partner with countries abroad to, to develop their mining industries. Um, and so I think through this cooperation, they need to be looking more at how to create standards across the industry, because creating standards in environmental, societal, and governance standards will help U.S. companies and, and Canadian companies become more competitive in the field and also make the, uh, the mining process more sustainable, working with local industry. And so there's a lot of ways the U.S. can kind of use its advantages in the industry to solve this dilemma in the supply chain. One of those is through the standards. Another is through technology. Uh, most of the new technology in the industry is coming from the United States, and it's only a matter of time before some of this technology help speed up the process of lithium extraction and secure more of the supply chain. The last thing that the United States can do is through its embassies, it's in the U.S. trade representative, they need to be looking at an, another trade approach towards fast tracking some of these shipments codified as kind of science and trade provisions that will help some of these roadblocks get off the ground. And so there's a lot of room for the United States to increase policies from the federal government level. It's going to take a lot of private sector mobility but that's the nature of how the United States works. And we need to find ways in which um, we can incentivize private sector investment, but also get the government more involved in the production of lithium, processing of lithium, so that we can meet our pledges in, in the short term. Okay, Andrew, thanks a lot. You can hear the thunder and lightning. It makes it more dramatic in the background. But I think this is great. Thanks for making the time today. Thank you, Dan. This was really great. Appreciate you uh, asking me to come in. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 